The Academic Podcast Agency. Uh, my name is Dimitris Mutopoulos. I'm 39 years old and uh, I was looking for a soulmate. I was looking for a woman that I can uh, share my life with and uh, be able to communicate easily and uh, enjoy beautiful things in life and be together for each other for the difficult times. I'm 38 years old. My name is Anastasia Vlahaki and I was looking for a man to be able to look each other in the eyes. I'm sorry, I feel quite moved. It's a little bit strange. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the very first edition of the Glass Bead Game. Today, we will be looking at love and politics in the city of Athens. Dimitri Medopoulos is a professional trumpet player who left Greece in 2003. Now he plans to return as he has fallen in love with Anastasia Vlahaki, who lives about 20 minutes from the centre of Athens. I spent a few days with them as he looked for work in a city that has attracted a lot of negative media attention over the last 24 months. A city that for many would be the last place that they would think of when looking for work. The time through which we are now passing is of exceptional character. This is the Glass Bead Game. The Glass Bead Game. My dear friends, inform, investigate, and engage. In 2002, Greece, along with most of the EU, adopted a single currency, thereby giving financial power to the European Central Bank that presently controls monetary policy for those nations that make up the Eurozone. After an initial honeymoon period for Greece, the country's relationship with its new finance arrangements soon began to deteriorate. Bailouts in 2010 and 2012 and an increasingly severe set of austerity measures created violent civil unrest. But now, in 2015, the Greeks have elected Syriza. The Prime Minister, Alexis Tsipras, and Finance Minister, Yanis Varoufakis, have begun a new relationship with the electorate of Greece. Charismatic and sincere, they are both promising change and security to a public eager to believe in them a public eager to believe that this is not just a short-term romance. So now we are outside the government building where presumably Tsipras and Varoufakis are sat with an abacus of some kind and trying to work out the country's debts and assets. What are we doing here, Dimitri? Where are we? Uh, we are outside the Greek parliament um, and we're about to talk about politics. 
Are we going to talk about policy? Are we going to do it now? Are we actually going to I talk think about so, policy? yeah. Okay. Let's give it a go. Okay. Those stun grenades that are coming down, the tear gas, and this is the sort of running battle on this side of the square, the far side of the square, from where I'm talking we, to I think you, we have, we have a serious problem if we, if, if we think that democracy comes out of voting and out of parliamentary processes and out of representation processes. What we learned from Greece, what we learned from Spain uh, the last uh, five years of the crisis is that there is a very different type of democracy, if you like the, 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 the term, um, um, which is so a democracy from below, it's a democracy from the street, it's a democracy of direct action, it's a democracy which will not step back when the policeman, as a representative of the of the government, of a voted government, will come and tell you, oh, get the hell out of here, because, uh, you know, you can't protest against austerity, this is our only solution. Uh, I am Dimitris Talakoglu. I am senior lecturer in anthropology at the University of Sussex, and uh, the last five years I'm studying urban politics and urban transformation in Athens. The five years of crisis, the structural adjustment, and the previous 20 years of uh, economic growth created a completely new uh, social class structure in Greek society, a completely new cultural and political logic. So basically, you create a society which is ready to go out of Europe, that uh, has enough of being humiliated, and you have a majority of society which actually have less and less things to lose. The vote for Syriza was a vote for common sense that this does not really make sense. We cannot survive anymore by further cuts, no matter whether you are super rich or super poor, because the country is collapsing, the country is disintegrating. We will have the chance to change the course of Europe. My name is Andreas Antoniades. I'm a senior lecturer in the Department of International Relations at the University of Sussex. Syriza is democratically elected on the 25th of January 2015. It is so that the jury is still open. I, I, I think Syriza is, uh, is an experiment, uh, but is, is a hope, I think, at the moment for Greece, is a hope for Europe. And, uh, and even if it was not Syriza, we would need somebody to force us to think what we have been doing wrong over the last four, five years. I remember the day I w went to vote. Everybody knew that almost everybody was voting Tsipras. So when I went out, everybody was smiling to me, even before we knew the results. And that was really strange to face the people smiling even in the voting room, you know. <laughs> it's just perfect. It's because of the new romance. <laughs> We have, above all, to preserve our democratic uh, culture. Whether we believe in West or East, whether it's this dichotomy, all along it has to be the democratic way. I don't see that there's going to be any good news if we ever lost that. My name is Emmanuel Mamadzakis. I'm professor of finance at the University of Sussex.
So in the summer 2014, I was appointed as a Secretary General of Fiscal Policy for the previous government of the Greek Republic. Uh, you have the, the Troika, the European Central Bank, International Monetary Fund, uh, you have the European Commission, and uh, you have also the member states of the euro area. So it's a very complicated negotiation table. These days, Greece is in a liquidity crisis. And this is something that people don't realize, that you, you don't necessarily need to get out of the euro to default. They can force you to default within the euro. But legally, they cannot force you out. You can be suffocated within the euro area because they can control the cash flow. They control the liquidity. Day in, day out, you have to have certain cash to maintain the bank account, the government, the country. And who is giving you this cash? Troika, the partners. Don't feel it's something. I do something insane by moving to Athens at these times. Um, I know that I'm gonna find. I'm quite sure that I'm gonna find paid gigs by going tonight to the jam session. It just it gives me the chance to to play and make myself, in a way, slowly known in, in town. Just to make a good impression, so people kind of think, OK, that's a new trumpet player in town. Maybe we can exchange some contact details. Maybe we can book him to do a gig. These people swearing. I like her, it's just... <laughs> What's the national character of Greek people? Okay, so you have the tabloid, they always exaggerate about Greece. Uh, and they seem quite a lot against Greece, against the... Uh, they portrayed Greeks as, as lazy, and uh, which I think Greek people are not lazy, it's just they were creating a very bad name about Greece. We should go back to the origins of the economic crisis I think we should discuss uh, whether Greece is really different, okay? whether Greece is the laggard. And uh, I have to say that myself, I'm not at all convinced about, about that. Okay? And uh, I'm against any moralizations that have driven the debate about uh, the European economic, the European debt crisis. But it remains a very uh, destructive and disturbing, I think, phenomenon. After all, I think, you know, if you focus on the total debt, not only from the public sector, from the government, but the corporations, the households, and uh, banks, Greece and Germany has the lowest total debt in Europe in 2011. Okay? Uh, I know that this sounds strange, but uh, that's the problem about moralizing. And if you would like and to focus on the public debt, you know, uh, Spain had a lower public debt in comparison to Germany. So I, I don't think that, you know, the easy moralization, the easy arguments about profligacy uh, really make sense and they don't stand to the facts. So if you, if you want to make a metaphor, we are in a club of runners that have much faster pace than we do. So being part of the club does not mean necessarily that we are up to the level of that runner because their pace is different than ours. 
it's, it's irrelevant, really, to look at the total debt, joint household and government debt, uh, because all it counts in the euro is the government debt. And there is a huge, huge government debt. These days in Greece, we have deflation. So the inflation in Greece right now is negative, minus 1.1%. Because it does not make any sense to, to own anything. So the daughter says to the, the father, if you really love me, don't give me anything. <laughs> don't donate me something. Don't give me any property. So just to explain you how, how bizarre is the approach that they follow in Greece. And why is that? Because they went by the book and say, this is what's happening. And before you know, you lost a quarter of your GDP. This has been catastrophic. It's unprecedented. There is no record in the economic history of such a huge loss of output during peace period. I think I have to concentrate uh, on positive things. Of course, I'm going to live somewhere with my girlfriend, so we're going to share a rent. The prices are quite low for renting a place. Uh, I'm going to try to avoid the media, the TV, the newspapers, and... I want to socialize with positive people who, because I think in any situation you can, you can see, always see the positive things. What made Europe attractive in the world was its social model. What made Europe to be, you know, a paragon or it, that something that the others would try to achieve in terms of standards, it was its social standards, essentially. And the further away that we are moving from this idea, I think the closer we are coming to a, a collapse of the European house, of what is Europe. And, you know, a collapse of the European house, I think it would be a disaster at a time that we need Europe to be strong at, at an international level. And not for geopolitical reasons, I think. Uh, because Europe remains the only uh, voice in favor of the social model. Europe remains internationally the only voice that can counterbalance, you know, the large kind of uh, neoliberal kind of restructuring of, of the very psyche of the world economy. The bank abused the whole world and the whole planet. It's the, the people of the top, uh, what, they, what we call uh, 1%. Okay, my name is Eleftheria Ike, and uh, my first name means freedom in Greek language. Crisis means somebody takes you what you love with a violent way, and you don't understand why. This is crisis. <laughs> Yeah, it's important because you understand that the financial problems come to your life also. When some people lost their basics, the center of Athens, it was under demonstrations every day. A lot of uh, police violence, a lot of violence in general. Capitalism comes into crisis and the capitalist uh, forces uh, from the left often gain power and the reaction of the 
capitalist classes, let's say the most powerful, would be to emphasize and start selling nationalism, start selling hostility against the other, uh, start selling hostility against other Europeans, because that's also another thing that we're seeing. We're seeing lots of mainstream German press vilifying Greeks, and we see lots of Greek systemic, again, press vilifying German people. Be careful. They don't vilify the governments. They don't vilify URIMF. They vilify the fellow citizens. They, 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 they promote hate against an entire, the population of an entire country. I think there are lots of things there to be careful in these times of crisis uh, when it comes into understanding nationalism and the rise of, of racism in uh, Europe. I'm Michael. Hi, Michael. I'm Will. Wow. Where, where are you from? I'm from UK. UK? Yeah. Wow. Where are you from? I'm from Nigeria. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of difficult, you know. I'm 33 years old. I came from a foster home. Yeah, I, 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 was, I was kind of picked up from the garbage. So I made a little money I made then. I, went, I first went to Ivory Coast. That is a Cote d'Ivoire in Africa. From Ivory Coast, I get to Cameroon. From Cameroon, it was difficult. Then I returned home to Nigeria. Then later, I moved to Libya. Then from Libya, I take the sea to Italy, from Italy to Greece. In 2010, poverty, mass poverty, is implemented as structural adjustment to the Greek passport holders, to the Greeks in Greece. So imagine about 20 years of uh, vilification, of stigmatizing uh, migrants and war refugees in the country which receives uh, probably one of the highest number of such refugees from non-EU members. And you can only imagine what an explosive mixture is coming there. Uh, 2011, 2013, it, because of the economic crisis, everybody was uh, angry, annoyed, you know, trying as much as possible to, you know, use some racial act between we foreigners and the indigenous, because things are kind of rough and, you know, ugly. So people are kind of maltreating people, all true. But let's say 2014, there is little turnaround and change. And I believe 2015 will be very, very much better. Yeah, because, yeah, you know, the new government as it is now, it's a government that recognizes you being a foreigner and you an indigene, trying as much as possible to make life, you know, suitable for every people, irrespective of the difficulties. When we talk about the rise of nationalism, the rise of racism, we need to remember that this is something that has particular economic forces or political forces who gain out of these violent ideologies, out of these violent discourses and violent practices. And these are the guys you hang out with? Yeah. Hey man, how you doing? Try and say something good about the Greek people. No, the people, the people, they are, they are friendly, but not 100% friendly. No, the police is fucked up. They just killed one of our friends last year, January. This January, they okay. killed one of our friends. They beat him to death. Yeah, in January. 
cut him because of his paper. If you don't have paper, they're going to put you in like a year and six months. With fucking hard labor. There is no job. You, you can't imagine like five people staying in one room. But we still have to, you know, survive. Economically, things are crazy. Socially, we could. Economically, job-wise, financial-wise, it's difficult. But socially, it's cool. It's cool. Remember also something very important. It was very convenient for Greek government to find some, some, some scapegoats. Uh, because when you have to implement all this horrific poverty to your population, you don't want your population to be against you uh, as a government. You prefer to be against uh, foreign government or against uh, weaker, alien, foreign people. So it was very convenient politically to keep creating uh, scapegoats out of migrants. It has to do with mostly about, I think, identity. It is all about identity. the will to unify Europe. We are talking about a project that started well, I mean, in the interwar period, essentially, okay? And it was about this ideal that uh, we will create a united Europe because the things that, that brings us together are more than those that divide us. I think it, it was Protagoras that first uh, said that uh, uh, metron pandon anthropos, man is the measure. Uh, and I think this is what is Europe, okay? Culture was always a priority in Europe. And in Greece, you know, we would say that children, kids should go to school to become human beings, okay? to, to, to become citizens. And, you know, this notion of, of we need culture back in our societies because the economic can only take us up to a certain point in our development, this could easier come from Europe rather than other places in the world. So there are specific endosiocracies in case that you have to take into account. And there is a difference in culture. From their perspective, everything is factual. So take away any emotional notion, any kind of leeway, any human kind of touch. So the less developed member states within the European Union, they have to converge to the living standards of the, the most advanced. And from our side, being Greeks, we think that, we, you know, you can invite them for a drink or something, and they will be linear towards you. It's not working out, <laughs> I tell you. It's not working out. It's always factual. If they are so very clever, so very dedicated to understanding these systems, coming to terms with them, how can they get a whole nation wrong just Wait, like that? Uh, but there is not one size fits all. So they go back in Frankfurt and in Brussels and they have a toolbox. And they say, I will open this toolbox and I will get this and that and I will fix it. But it's not working that way in Greece. As I said, there is a liquidity crisis. So the next time we will have enormous liquidity pressure will be in July. So we are given now four months period till the end of June. I think people just tend to overcomplicate things and try to imitate other people's lives with much bigger budget and income. And then they, they, they get trapped. As soon as you get married and you want to have kids, you have to borrow money and you're expected to have a certain lifestyle 
and uh, to spend what a certain amount of money every and to have your own house to have a mortgage and uh, yeah I don't really buy that stuff I don't really go into that mortgage and uh, having all this uh, to have to borrow and uh, what the current situation proved to us is like people who own houses as soon as they couldn't really pay anything the, the government takes the houses back and then people sleep in the street. I was in the army for five years. I signed a contract to work for the army, yes, for five years. And then I was transferred to the, as a trumpet player to the uh, local, in the local department of the Greek, of the band of the Greek army. And um, one of my duties was to play twice a day when the sun comes out, the flag comes up and uh, later when the sun goes down, I had to go again and play the same type of melody uh, when the, the flag was going down at the end of the day. I guess when I was in the, in the band, in the army for these two years, because what I had to do basically was to play the trumpet, even though it was a style of music that I didn't really like at all. And, uh, but at least I thought it would be better to be in the, in the band than to be in the tanks. So in fact you have a very politicized army and police mechanism. The question is how a left-wing government is going to deal with apparatuses that are traditionally right-wing and anti-left. It is not an accident that uh, the only ministry that independent Greeks, this far-right-wing party, got is the Ministry of Defense. What Syriza wanted to do is, if it is to collaborate with someone, it needs to collaborate with a party that doesn't support the loan agreement between uh, Greece, IMF, EU, and the Central European Bank. The Tusk state apparatus are very politicized, and the politicization is right-wing. For example, in the recent elections, most police officers who were in duty in Athens uh, voted for the neo-Nazi party. It doesn't matter what Syriza really is. What it matters is that it has created a completely new social infrastructure which voted for a radical left party and a radical left agenda. Syriza, they've been start. They started quite. Uh, they brought an air of hope to the to the country. They, I think they just like they're trying to be very sincere and straight to the point and uh, very down to earth in the way they communicate with people and also the way they speak, the way the words they be using. They they're trying to make the effort actually, so anyone can understand what they're talking about. The previous governments of the last. 12 years, 16 years, they've been using um, 
words that it sounded impressive to a big mass of Greek people who will be amazed by the vocabulary that these politicians they were using. But when it, when it was coming to the point, they were not really helping. This is the biggest unknown in Greek politics, whether Syriza under Alexis Tsipras will manage to stay united and keep projecting a single governmental project, keep governing the country as a single party. I think Syriza has been elected not because it promised to, to achieve a ride down on the Greek debt. I think Syriza has been elected because uh, the bailout agreement has not been working, has not been achieving what it should have achieved. It doesn't really make sense to reduce salaries and pensions to people that they don't have to eat, they don't have electricity in their places. So I think it's not about debt, which is something removed, if you will, from everyday life. It is about surviving. That's why I think Syriza has been elected. And I think when, when Syriza has been trying to articulate this notion of a humanitarian crisis, this is what we are talking about. We met uh, after a lot experiences, a lot, and difficult too. So we took our lessons through life. I mean, if I was um, meeting Dimitris before even 10 years, maybe I, I wasn't going even to look at him, believe me. <laughs> He's not my type, no. You know, the type I had in my mind, you know, the image I had in my mind. No, definitely no. So after my journey, <laughs> with almost 20 years, different relationships and disappointments, then I understand what is the real and what is the image. Communication and also self-respect, first of all. And, and then if you respect yourself, then you will respect your partner and then the rest is life with good times and difficult times. Any problem can be welcome and people can sit down and talk and find a solution about it. It's how you deal with the problems that counts. If you come from a very negative place or you come from a, okay, there is that problem, doesn't matter, we're gonna solve it because we communicate and we love each other and we respect each other, so. doesn't make any difference at all <laughs> because it's only one month what how much is it one and a half month so I have not no see any difference and actually I'm just waiting <laughs> to see what's gonna happen and uh, <laughs> I'm afraid what is gonna happen and if this love story with uh, Farufakis and Tsipras and all these handsome young men it will succeed, I don't know. Thank you to all of those who contributed towards this show, with particular thanks to Dimitri Medopoulos and Anastasia Vlahaki for sharing their relationship with us so candidly. In order of appearance, this episode has featured the research of Dimitris Dalagogu, Department of Anthropology, Andreas Antoniandes, Department of International Relations, and Emmanuel Mamajakis, Department of Finance. 
Your presenter and director has been Will Hood, and the series producer is Rob Alexander. The Glasspie Game has been brought to you by the School of Global Studies at the University of Sussex and is an Animal Monday production.